I'm Randy. One day while cleaning out the closet of my old bedroom, I stumbled upon a three-part time capsule I'd made in 1998 when I turned 13. I meticulously detailed every part of my life, from an itemized list of school crushes to a report on the top five trends that year. Obviously, Tamagotchi, hair mascara, and blow-up chairs were among them. It's hilariously delusional and heartwarming as fuck. So join me as I look back at all the things that made growing up in the 90s so rad. And together we'll unbox Capsule 98. Welcome back to another episode of Capsule 98, the podcast that goes inside my brain when I was 13. And today we're joined by two very special guests, Lizzie and Kat from the Blaze podcast. Hi. Hello. (laughs) And for those of you who don't know what the Blaze is in reference to... You unsubscribe should, yeah, yeah what's your unsubscribe damage? but just to put it simply the blaze is the newspaper in nano 210 that andrea zuckerman <laughs> was the editor in editrix in chief and it's nano 210 based of course welcome thank you and of course i just want to caveat it's beverly hills nano 210 we're talking about the original from the 90s Oh, it fuck. is not a podcast dedicated to the reboot, which may not have even aired in Canada, did it? The, re- the yeah, of CW- course it did. Okay. Grimes was on. Oh, the right. Re- Correct. Shanae yeah. Grimes is a Toronto girl. Yeah, former right. girlfriend you know of John Lovitz. Do you know why I say that? Because I refuse to accept that 90210 was a thing after 90210. Well, yeah. we, it's not canon. No. <laughs> and honestly, if we, we wouldn't acknowledge it if we didn't have to, but sometimes it creates confusion. Okay. I mean, when... I have a question. In Canada, when people say Degrassi, do people know that it's like OG season or they assume it's next gen? Randy just laughed at you because we <laughs> always mispronounce it. Oh, what is it? It's just Degrassi. Degrassi. I always say Degrassi. Oh. Degrassi. Yeah. Well, interestingly enough, the um the street, it like the the, the high school is, is on a fictional street in oh. Toronto, but it actually is a real street. I mean, the, I should say that the high school is fictional, but the street is real. Um, and it's actually D-E space G-R-A-S-S-I. So I think you probably are right that it is Tres Degrassi. French. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, my sister was big into the one with Spike. The OG Degrassi. So that's, mm. that's my question. Are there how Spike is new Degrassi? Yeah, like what is the slang? Like how do you differentiate between? Gens I have no idea. I literally, Canada. I never even watched Degrassi. <laughs> I was way, I was way more of a nine hundred two and O girl. I love it. Um, and I would just say like the one with Drake on it, and the one yeah, with my exactly. friends, and the one with my friends on it. So that's the new one. Yeah, that uh, that's the next gen, but then there's the new class, I think. Okay. And then now there's another one on that's like the millennial gen or something. I don't know. We keep it simple. We stick to West yes. Beverly Hills High School and California University, and eventually now we're this, but... <laughs> We just like to stay in one zip code. I mean, you're so right. I really um, apologize. And um, I should I should let all the guests Accepted. know. <laughs> I should let all the guests know that we are recording this in Lizzie's lovely apartment in 90212. Oh. Beverly Hills adjacent. <laughs> Beverly Hills adjacent, just like where Andrea Zuckerman lived. Yeah. yeah. Like, I'm, pro- I'm probably closer to the Valley in Truth, where I live, but I used to work in 90212. Correct. I love that the podcast has just begun, and I've already mentioned Andrea twice. And thank you for pronouncing her name correctly. Importantly. Um, it's telling course. me a lot about you. <laughs> I mean, I, I show her respect, unlike uh, whatever her name was from the sleepover episode. Oh, 
bitch Amanda. Bitch Amanda. I was bitch. like, it's bitch something. Yeah. <laughs> oh my By god. By the way, like, can I just issue a public statement on your podcast? Mm-hmm. I've started saying bitch all the time, and I <laughs> hated like it. Back at it. yeah, I'm like taking it back. I'm reclaiming it. But like I hated that word like first two seasons of our podcast and now I'm like bitch like all the time. You used to uh, lecture me about a gendered epithet? Yes. I yeah. Yeah, my Andrea is showing, but I don't know. I'm I'm it's just I'm leaning into it now. Yeah, you got to lean into I lean into all swear words. Yeah. Oh, yeah, big time. It's in this post pussy hat world. <laughs> Like, I just have to embrace words that previously made me uncomfortable, you know? Uh, yeah. So getting back to zip codes, um, <laughs> getting back to zip codes, um, I, like I said before, I'm here in LA in Lizzie's apartment. Mm-hmm. And I should say that I have been here for a while and I have had so many 90210 experiences. <sighs> My most important 90210 Same. experience is that I did the TMZ tour bus I'm not recommending it to anybody, <laughs> but we did drive through the 90210 zip code and every single person that we that we drove by, I like averted my eyes and then in 90210, I just happened to look beside me and this man in his car drove up to us and like no no like fingers snapped me. What? Like 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 how ju- dare like you be on the TMZ me. tour? Yes. Like now now. And that man was Harvey Levin. No, I was going to say. <laughs> I was no, going to say. Like Fonz, Hair, Henry Winkler. <laughs> yeah, no, I was going to say that saying. man was definitely James Eckhouse. Oh, I probably. wish, except like he wishes also. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a Walsh family trait to like really. Finger wag. Be needy. Yeah. Thirsty. Mm. Uh, and I most importantly felt. So Dylan, I went for a walk on Runyon Canyon and I literally was like, Dylan almost died on one of these turns. You must have seen multiple celebs with their dogs taking selfies. I saw multiple celebrities. Justin Bieber. I wish. Amanda Seyfried. I wish. I didn't see any of those, but I did see other ones. Carly Most most importantly, I saw Richard from Sex and the City. Oh my God. Important. Yeah. Was it erotic? It was disappointing uh, <laughs> because so yes, <laughs> I the same day I had a, happened upon this like happening area called Larchmont in L.A. Mm-hmm. and um, I had come across Quentin Tarantino and Jared Leto and like just let them both pass and then saw Richard from Sex and City and was like Richard <laughs> <laughs> to which he replied like uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> oh, anyway, I mean, I don't even know if my guests get all of. The, I mean, if my if my r- listeners would guess will yep. get all of these like very specific references. So let's go back to the beginning. Okay, Beverly Hills, nine hundred two and zero. Tell me about a how you got into Beverly Hills, nine hundred two and zero. Were you watching it mm-hmm. at the time? We were, believe it or not. Um, I think we're we are peers. Based on your thir- being 13 in 1998, mm-hmm. we are around the same time. And it, Beverly Hills now 2 and 0 first premiered in October 1990. So we were quite young, as you probably were. But we both had older sisters. And whenever we have guests on our podcast, I mean, every episode we have guests. But so often when we ask them their 90210 journey, we hear a theme, which is that sisters are the great, older sisters mm-hmm. are the great gateway. Uh, and so I think it was through that that we were exposed to it at an 
inappropriately young age in retrospect now that we understand the subject matter it was dealing with and especially right when it started it represented this cool teen world that like I looked up to my big sister and I aspired to and so you know watching it it's just like at the time it was so emblematic of like what it would be to be a grown-up teenager yeah and where did you guys grow up um, I grew up mostly when I was watching this, I was in San Francisco. Okay. And like to set the scene, uh, my bedtime was 8 p.m. But on Wednesdays, I could stay up from 8 to 9 to watch Night Two and 0. Like that's wow. how young we're talking. <laughs> and yeah. I grew up in L.A. I'm so jealous of you. Because <laughs> oh, because my 90210 journey is very similar to yours. Older sister watching it. Okay. And I mean, but after season one, she was over it. She was too cool. But, she you, was, but you're hooked, meanwhile. Yes, totally. She's She was very grunge. She didn't care anymore. But, uh, but, but I remember, like... 90210 feels so intrinsic to to my life in the 90s because even though I didn't necessarily watch all the episodes, it just things about it like when I think back to my earliest memories in the 90s, it all I remember is like your hair should be blonde, your name should be Kelly, you should be wearing like some sort of pastel or neon and like wear varnay. Like that's Ugh. like to me and I, like I thought that LA was like heaven. Mm. And isn't it though? <laughs> I mean, it's been yeah, it's been it's been real. But it's been great. Many a people, including our good friend Santina, moved from New Jersey based on a dream that like she had through watching 90210. I think it's like informed people's life decisions and really perspective about like what California and specifically Southern California represents, whether it's realistic or not. And for sure, uh, we watched, I mean, I definitely didn't watch like every episode when I was a kid. I would catch episodes. I had to sneak some episodes because I think my parents kind of obliquely knew I was watching it, Mm -hmm. but uh, they weren't always cool with it. And then it was in college when I really did the rewatch, rewatch. Lizzie uh, and I pretty much met because we lived on the same floor and I heard the dulcet tones of the 90210 theme song playing. Oh my god, that's yeah. how you met? From her DVD box set. She's um, she's a year above me, and like, she, I want to caveat this by saying this was her junior year and her real friends were abroad. And I was like the <laughs> sophomore whom I don't think she would have otherwise associated with. But yeah, her, heard the tones, and the, I own the DVD box set. Like, this is I, literally ABC Go or ABC as a broadcast station was I think like in beta but there was like it was Netflix was discs like Mm -hmm. there was no streaming and it was like a very cool thing I feel like in college of you had the 24 box set that was like the Netflix flicks and chill of hooking up in college for us yeah but I had the 90210 box set which and I like fully resonate with anybody until cat yeah I know that I started by just like maybe watching a few episodes with you and being like, God, I remember this from when I was a kid. And then I ended up like borrowing your DVDs and just like making my way through all 10 seasons over the next couple of years. All 10 seasons or like did you know all so, eight seasons? So listen, wait for it. <laughs> so Because that's I, a very fair question. It is. And like I was into it. I was hooked. And then, you know, at a certain point, I was just like everyone else where I was like, oh, bro, oh, brother. Uh, I can't this is becoming a chore you know like there becomes the later seasons of 90210 when you're just like who anything with what so anything with Noah or Gina just needs to go right and I remembered kind of vaguely like through cultural osmosis that David and Donna 
would be getting married. I was like, yeah, that happens at some point in the show. And I was sort of invested in that. And so I was like, you know what? I'm just going to keep watching until they get married and then I'm giving up on the show. <laughs> because I didn't remember that it happens in the series finale. <laughs> so I ended up watching yeah. all 10 seasons like against my will <laughs> because I was like being held hostage by Donna this and David's matrimony. Like a, like a relationship we don't actually give it. No. <laughs> I just wanted to see Miss Teasley show up again in the, like, right. the wedding reception. Um, and I actually, I just unearthed, because um, it was Lizzie's birthday the other day. Happy I birthday. was looking at our like Facebook friendship, and I found like a status where in like 2009. <gasps> Thank you. You repost, you screenshot it and posted <laughs> them. It's incredible. Yeah, I was like... It was, yeah, it was like when we were still in college or maybe right after where I was just like. And we're like, Facebook was like the yes, platform Facebook was just to communicate with people as well. Facebook. You needed like a .edu address yeah. actually, I think, to be on the Facebook. And I think at this point, it might have been right after school because we were living in different cities. And I wrote like, oh my God, I am watching 90210 thanks to you. And like, I hate Brandon. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes. like, like unearthing these old statuses. Consistent, if nothing else. It, you know, it's really, it was a precursor. It's really great that you guys met each other like that because I, when I rediscovered 90210, a few years ago when it was all on net it was on Netflix up to season six. And I, it, yeah, I know. It used to be on Netflix. Yeah, Crazy. I know, but only up to season six. Right. Not the And whole. I discovered and I literally lost my mind. Like <laughs> I became known as Nano Two One O Girl. Like it was I was live tweeting it. Like before before like memes were really a thing yes. and before like people would have cared about that and podcasts to like to Nano Two One O existed. Like I was just tweeting like hot takes about Steve <laughs> or just quoting Steve Sanders. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um and like Which I, is like a valid personality choice if you ask me <laughs> absolutely and yeah and people just thought I was maybe crazy um but and and then when it when it it only went up to season six but it was I, disc right or could you stream it for so it would just stream this was just only stream. like this was okay. only like I want to say 2013 let's Got say it. okay so yeah it was already streaming but um yeah and then that happened and then it and then there was no more after season mm-hmm. six and I couldn't find any good like Never mind. I don't do illegal streaming. Yeah. Um, no, right. And I rented all the DVDs from the like one le- like last DVD rental place, and then they went out of business, <gasps> and I bought them all. Uh, oh. uh, but yeah, I still don't have all the seasons because they gave them away. But there were there during during the period of me being obsessed and trying to find the DVDs, I got my appendix out, and I had to recover at my parents' house, and my mom came downtown to like help me get my pajamas and whatever it was, and I was like, "Stop the by box. Queen Video." <laughs> <laughs> I need season seven <laughs> and it truly no, helped truly. me recover. Oh, I love that. So how did you guys start the podcast? Oh my gosh. I love that. I just want to pause for that. Um, it's uh, like such a medicine no, and a I, remedy. I'm going to pour some out for your appendix. Right now. <laughs> um, it, it needed to be sacrificed because it was in order for season in order for like, yeah, what like now we're this and in order for Kelly to like murder her rapist. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Goals. Um, <laughs> goal. Hashtag goals. Murder your Sorry, rapist. That was rude. <laughs> so I, I'll start with this. We so after um, we were friends in college, and she graduated a year before I did, and then we were apart. In fact, in different countries and different cities. She lived in Australia for a while, and after. Uh, college I moved to Washington D.C. and we sort of kept in touch. So you're like the Dylan and the Brandon. Yeah. Yeah. And you were also in Vietnam. Yeah. I studied abroad in Vietnam. So, but we. Helping the president. Yes. (laughs) 
learn about nine or two one zero. Correct. Um, and so I, when I finally moved back in twenty thirteen to LA, um, and now that you have really experienced how vast LA is, like you, one thing that's different as composed uh, compared to other cities I've lived in is like you have to make a commitment. To actively oh seek out friends unless you are yes in real proximity, like because it's a chore and there's traffic and miles between you, and so um, while we both were reunited in L.A., we lived in pretty yeah it was a, a definite a definite commute commute, and I think that we came up she came up with this idea. I don't think I understood that you could have a podcast about a TV show let alone a nostalgic, like a TV show that wasn't on the air. Because <laughs> um, I feel like I'd only really listened to like, well, now this is going to sound like a humble brag, but like more like npr ones. I was coming from D.C., that's why, not because mm-hmm. like. No, I think yeah. it's also fair to say that yeah. you probably were in the beginning of these kinds of podcasts. Yeah, so she had told me about um, April Richardson. and, yeah. and Go Bayside. Go Bayside. Um, and that like there's actually a market for that. But truthfully, we did this as a scheduled hangout time. Like, I don't think, and I think about when we recorded our bonkers first episode, <laughs> like, we really did not even think our family would listen to it. And frankly, some of our family members still don't listen to it. But we certainly, you know, we weren't on a network. We didn't have, like, a big budget that we put behind advertising. It was just, like... Honestly, like, a mandated hangout time to reminisce about a favorite subject yeah we were like we want to get together once a week what's something we can talk about well obviously 90210 and then I think what has been really cool for me is that we knew what our friendship had been like over the years but like we were just really um simpatico on like the way we wanted to do this so like the weird nerdy research that (laughs) goes into each episode it's like at no point during the first episode was I like, mm, do we need to talk about the political structure in 1989? I was like, no, this is why <laughs> we need to talk about yeah. the political structure of 1989. Because how else will you understand the Dylan like dynamic? <laughs> <You know? laughs> like, so yeah, it started as a schedule, scheduled hang, hangout. And then and we actually are, recorded quite a few episodes before we even put them up you know on iTunes and make them publicly available so it really was just for us and and we but we started having guests like pretty quickly and again just like oh this will be a fun like hang and then it just became like talking about people's adolescences talking about people in the 90s talking about like what the show meant and going through each episode and just dissecting like the sometimes ridiculous storylines or fashion or you know, sometimes, I mean, there are definitely some some dud episodes where we're like, what are we going to talk about? And then once we start recording, we're like, it's just honestly the people that we've got to meet, like you, who Dang. hearing people, I mean, you never felt like a stranger, even though this is the first time we're actually meeting, because um, you're a, a good person if you like that or two or no. <laughs> <laughs> and hearing, but people have very, very, very different journeys. And it's like affecting to everybody but yeah some people you're not the first pe- person who has healed like or had some oh, yeah. sort of like yeah. overcome an illness or a trauma while watching 90210 in fact our good friend um natalie wrote a book 
limelight about how when she was getting treatments for Lyme disease at the same time every afternoon in the hospital reruns of 90210 and Roseanne would be playing so like her whole health journey is centered around anecdotes from those two shows oh my god we have a lot of people who've discovered their sexuality or come to terms with like various sexual subjects experiences of like very unmodern way of talking about (laughs) any of these yeah it's i mean it's just it's amazing we've had people who relate to various family members through Mm. this I'm sure every TV show has like pockets and these types of narratives, but it's been really special to hear the really different but all meaningful ways that like this show was it like a thread Mm -hmm. through people's lives. So to just recap for um, our listeners who might not know about the Blaze podcast, uh, you guys go through you guys they do dedicated episodes for each for each episode and how and you're just about to start season five so you've been doing this for how long oh god well we started recording at the end of 2014 and we have 2013 yes 2013 yeah and we have 120 some odd episodes yeah jesus we were doing it weekly for like the first 60 yeah because nowadays you can get away with like a six episode season of television Mm -hmm. and 90210 has like 32 episodes thing about it (laughs) yeah that's yeah we have a couple of special like capsule episodes where sometimes in between seasons we would tackle a subject matter or a particular like a cast member's memoir yeah but honestly uh, like 75 80% of those 120 episodes are just first four seasons of Nighter 2 and Oh my God. And one of the cool things that uh, comes about maybe a third of the way through the first season is that we uh, connected with Chuck Rosen, who is the executive producer of the show. When you'd watch 90210 at the end, it was the screen fades to black, black. and it says executive producer Charles Rosen. And that's where I would yell at my mom, who's like, Lizzie, it's bedtime. I'd say, scenes, mom, <laughs> scenes, because I wanted to stay for like scenes from mm. next week's 90210. <laughs> I miss that about shows. Or like mm. occasionally you'd get like Tori Spelling being like, you know, like adopting a stray dog <laughs> is a serious issue. If you'd like right, to do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so uh, we connected with um, Charles Rosen and his wife, Karen, who was a writer on the show. And he has uh, contributed to pretty much every episode since then with his behind the scenes take on what was happening during production. And that's been like a crazy window into the series. He- <laughs> I can't believe he even remembers every episode. <laughs> <A> joke. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, he's ready to talk. Like, (laughs) the good thing about, like, some people are like, a a show 25 years ago? What could you possibly have to say about it? But plenty. And with that sort of gap and distance, I think he's ready to be very candid in a way that he might not have otherwise been able to. So it's it's fun to hear about the real life drama. And you guys have had other celebrity guests. Who else have you guys had on it? Um, from the show or just yeah. generally? Um, I think somebody who was wearing Randy's jacket that she yeah. showed up in today. I mean, the one, the only Jason Priestley, yeah. who is pretty much the ambassador of 90210 for the rest of existence. Mm-hmm. And of Canada. And of Canada. Of Canada. <laughs> you're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> totally. You're welcome. Randy, by the way, showed up in a really <laughs> oh, arresting so take on Double Denim, which was a Jason Priestley 90210 embroidered Light blue. Would you call that a stonewash? No, not quite. Kinda. Denim jacket over a black denim jacket. I'm. So it's the new Canadian on. tuxedo. 
It's great. It's You're just shook. Yeah. I'm shook. And also that 90210 jacket has a Donna Martin graduates pin on it. Uh, and so, yeah. So uh, He's, he was great. And like, we were so prepared not to like him because we've developed a real intolerance. And it could be like in this <laughs> pre me too, but like cultural climate of um climate like brandon and the mansplaining in this rewatch has just been intolerable intolerable uh we were like really ready to stick it to jason Priestley, and he's the nicest and he's got a great sense of humor he charmed us like no, from I, moment one like i was like ready to get naked he didn't <laughs> yeah. ask but i was like okay fine uh, yeah, um, he was awesome we got to do the Donna Martin Graduates live read with Gabrielle Carteris. Um, and of course, um, Mrs. Teasley herself, <laughs> Denise Dows. So, I also love no. I love the the levels of of people on the show. Stature. Yeah, exactly. It's like it goes it goes from no, the number one to number like ten to number seventy five. Okay, so here okay, I, I have like that's to really say. interesting as to who is interested. And we've had Paul uh Johansson, Johansson, who was uh John, John Sears. Sears. Me too. Ha- talk about no, hashtag no, me too. No, I mean, like, like no, well, talk <laughs> about it. Like, no, like talk about it. And we met like, when we met him, it was completely by accident and it was like right <laughs> around the time that there were news stories it was about crazy. him but there was pre me too but like it was wild. But like uh, about mid to be paul mid johansson too. yeah um uh we we've met tori oh but she hasn't been on the show Mm-mm. um but here's the thing that like if you were to ask us hands to i'm not we're not even being facetious who our biggest get is like Run. I know for sure what you would say. Oh. And like, I, I'm like, how is this not like in the Smithsonian just to be honest, this episode <laughs> and no one talks about it. And like, it's my life accomplishment. We often talk about like, we want like an LCD, to- <laughs> LD, LCD LED, LED, LED tombstones, like scrolling. <laughs> and I just want mine to be this episode, which is that we tracked down Douglas Emerson, Scott Scanlon, who left acting behind after Once he, was- he killed himself. Yeah. Under the guise of wanting to talk about the military, because that's what he dedicated his life to service. It wasn't when he did a guise. It wasn't a guise. That was the. That was the. Yeah. Oh, he left act when he was killed off that. Sh- it's an incredible story. First of all, the Rolling Stone article that like that was that famous cover in the early '90s with Dylan, Brenda, Brandon. So sexy. Um, Jay Martell, who wrote that cover story, actually wanted the uh, headline to be to live and die in Beverly Hills and it be about Douglas Emerson. Mm -hmm. Who had just bought himself a car. Because he started out as a main, like a featured credits actor in season one and was like, I've made it to the big time. And then by season two is reading about his untimely demise at his 16th boring birthday party a lot of eyebrow <laughs> acting of all time um in an episode where david silver promises that he would teach scott's cousin how to freak <laughs> let us literally never and scott forget. had to light the own candles on, the candles on his own birthday cake. i mean scott scanlon was really just a sacrificial lamb for david silver to become popular yeah it, because he totally it was like he had a parasitic twin you know, and it wasn't until he had it amputated that he could like get yoked and start wearing two earrings in one ear and have like acid and orange juice or whatever <laughs> drugs he's been doing in that. Um, but honestly, he left acting behind. Like, went that was a very traumatic experience for a young actor. He had just bought a car 
and he like went did the ROTC and joined the military and is he's like very highly ranked now works in intelligence I really am not going to reveal his location I'm only going to say that he works in Texas, somewhere in the United States family's from. Yeah, Oklahoma thank you oh shit so sorry where he became familiar <laughs> with C&W music <laughs> and fireworks right yeah but he uh, he lives somewhere happily married, beautiful children, and he works for a defense contractor. Uh, and I paid to link in with him, <laughs> <laughs> and we wanted to talk like about his service time. for our Memorial Day episode, which we did. Honestly, it's the only time LinkedIn has like fostered a successful connection. By the way, no, and like yeah, he's because he's really wanted to stay anonymous, and he's really um, and so for me that is like no that w- is that our biggest get. From the beginning, it was like if we could talk to Scott Scanlon, I will really feel like we have accomplished yeah, well, like what we set up. Real to do. or imagined? Who do you want? At, like the five guests at your dinner? You know, when people ask that question, yes. it's like I've only ever wanted Douglas <laughs> So that for me is like a yeah. plus. We asked him Jason some. Priestley. We asked him some curveball questions too. I highly recommend listening to that interview. Ooh. It was a Memorial Day episode. Even. Mm-hmm. Shout out to that episode. So you've reached season five. Let's okay, talk about season, season five. five. So so set us up for season five. It's pivotal because pivotal for me. That's for sure. I would say it's it's an odd sort of landmark because season uh, freshman year of college has just concluded, and with it the tenure of Shannon Doherty. Yeah, I mean, and honestly, I'm not mad at people who say I, I sympathize with people who say like. Where goes Shannon? So go I, mm-hmm. or whatever the phrase is. Like it's, she has been so integral to what Nine Hundred Two has meant hitherto in the first four seasons that it is hard to imagine or fathom what what a post Brenda world could look like. I mean, except for the fact that Val mm. until comes when correct. one brunette door closes. Through the Another window, window seat <laughs> open. Thank you. For one young Tiffany Amber Thiessen to smoke a perfectly rolled joint upon. Where one diary was found. Yeah. yeah. Another sits in a conical bra with a bob and a joint. Season five has, we've got Claire on the scene also mm. as a, as also a full-time college student because totally. she's a sophomore now um, because all her AP credits uh, and all that time transfer. Um, <laughs> and we've got, we've got still all the boys. We've got Kelly and Donna. Donna has over the summer at the end of season four, Donna has been cheated on by David in Babyface's fuck limo. Yeah. And that's the other thing. I mean, like talk about the things that were really cornerstones to what we've known so far. <laughs> still a David in that vest. Right, no, I mean, David sure. in a vest, but also just like David and Donna has been like the one thing that is for the most part endured. Been constant, yeah. So here we are. It R. is. I, I mean, this is like. This is where, like, this is like the Berlin Wall coming. People down. stop being popular and start being uh, stop being polite and start being real. Yeah, he is a free agent to fuck whoever he wants, mm-hmm. and Donna just becomes a so- more a of professional a social a Stepford mm-hmm. wife, of, of a debutante. Jesus. Professionally, and for yeah. and for those who for the, for the re, for the, I keep wanting to call them readers for the listeners who are less well versed in 90210 than us. Let's just set the scene 
on Donna's mother. Oh God. Who is I literally mean, honestly, the number one worst of all time. Felice, I think is my next like dream bucket list guest. Oh my God. Oh, I mean, I, wouldn't Jackie, Jackie would be an well, amazing no, we, guest. Yeah. She is. We dream. No, that's my dream. We but did she's have Carol now Potter. Actually Episcopalian. Oh, we did have Carol Potter. So we did have Cindy Walsh. Oh no way. Um, and she was incredible. Like just very therapeutic, soothing. Just the sound of her voice she in person. Cindy Walsh. It yeah, was also ASMR. Tones. Yeah. Of, of Cindy Walsh, but uh, no, Anne Gillespie, who plays the Jackie Taylor, is actually now an Episcopalian minister. Yeah, in Virginia. Uh-huh. I actually what? went down. There was, you know, there was a recent LinkedIn. Vir- there was a Virginia governor's, <laughs> Virginia senator's race, and there was a Gillespie with the last name. And I did like, I tried to make it work and find some sort of relationship. <laughs> but no. you're like, we no. will support yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. I was like, like I don't agree with your views at all. But if you're related to Ann Gillespie, but like, there's, I don't think no. there's a familial well, relationship. Stumps. If you're related, I can guarantee you like a bunch of votes in blue state. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right ins from nine hundred two one zero. Okay. But Felice Martin, who is the debutante socialite mother of Donna Martin, she is the wife of cardiologist so controlled, Dr. Martin. so frigid. She, yeah, she's the most uptight. Like she's the in when you look up like stick up the ass in a dictionary. Felice living Martin. vicariously through her daughter, but like potentially throwing stones. Somebody who really should I not think be cast. Could murder somebody if totally needed, if it if needed. She's, I mean, and, yeah. and obsessed with her daughter's virginity beyond like an age where that is I think appropriate <laughs> and, like, and like her, had an affair season two right like <laughs> you, know, affair, you know so. Donna's dad doesn't give a shit but Donna's mom is like very prim very religious and then when Donna and gang go to the hotel to see color me bad they run into Felice Martin having a nooner with mm. like some random for me what like just like like the one image that symbolizes Felice Martin is when she is like you know massaging the shoulders of her daughter like I feel like a boxing coach does <laughs> to an athlete before the match um, pre-prom pre-the mm. prom uh where Donna is drunk and subsequently almost suspended and not permitted <laughs> to graduate it's like this scene of her mother like glaring into the mirror from behind her and putting this giant bedazzled cross <laughs> choker around her neck and like like it's very much like they're there like always remember you know like you're chased for Jesus while Donna is wearing like a Galliano corset <laughs> dress when her tits are literally inside out they're pushed so closely <laughs> together but it's like I feel like that's like Felice loves that she's like ready to sell her daughter on a corner but like yeah it's very, like in the name of the Lord it's very southern like it works yes it's yeah. you know and that's that's Felice yeah. I, I like to think that Donna Martin's like an alternate universe JonBenet Ramsey oh my god that like oh, like survived yeah, uh, like yes like not has, Katy Perry it's Felice Martin yeah and Felice has some like severe uh what's her name vibes well uh, I mean R.I.P. sorry John Bonet mom um oh stop um it's like Joan and Bennett or something are their something names like that. Well, no, his name is this is actually really gonna bother me <laughs> <laughs> I've seen so many movies about this what is her name? All I can, all, the only thing in my brain is brother. that reenactment of the little skull with the blonde wig. Was that a big case in Canada, Jean Benet Ramsey? Oh, definitely. Okay. <laughs> yes. Um, anyway, that His name is yeah. John. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's John. I think that sounds right. Can you just like put, like, when you edit this, can you just have, like, first name? Like, <laughs> yeah. Totally. 
Thanks. It's Ramsey. Yeah. Ramsey yeah. Ramsey. Yeah. <laughs> Ramsey. So yeah, yeah, I mean, Donna, uh, she's heading into sophomore year of college. Hyman and Patsy. Sorry. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> I couldn't let it go. Patsy. Thank you. <laughs> Rolodex in my mind. Okay, we can oh move my on. God, lols. Um, now, but why is season five so pivotal for you, Randy? Well, the reason why it's so pivotal for me is really when it starts to. You know, I I agree that I agree that um, where Shannon goes, like I go because I really do love Brenda. No. She always, she, you know, she she is the, the real best, real. Clearly. Yeah. Um, and she gets a bad rap really just because of Shannon's real life. People are intimidated by her. Yeah, absolutely. Um, also, just just a side note that it has nothing to do with any of this. But my favorite Brenda. Just my favorite Brenda moment of another two and out period is where she's in the middle of having a fight with her dad, and in the middle of the fight, she's screaming at him like, "Dad, you won't let me like do whatever it is." And in the middle of the fight, he sneezes, and she's like, "God bless you." But dad, <laughs> no, a constant yeah. professional. That's the thing. That's... Shannon knew her lines, and she and did spit it written and improv. Impro- no, I mean she like you know James she... house Like he must have taken a moment after that <laughs> take to be like. Oh shit! Like she that's really how is it's done. The actress that she yeah, like why is going to be in London? Why wouldn't Roy Randolph want her to join him in London? I mean, who knows? So yeah, I mean, season yeah, I Brenda it was definitely a favorite, mm-hmm. but I am thrilled by Val. I it's just such a pleasant surprise that you could be titillated, oh my god, you know, in a way I was ready to hate everything post yes. I mean, I don't really remember it at the Brenda, time. Brenda, but, you know, but, it's yeah. so exciting. I also just, I think, like, unpopular opinion, but I actually think my favorite 90210 episodes are when it just shit, like, hits the fan. Like, no, season five to seven, to me, is, like, amazing. Yeah. We, we've referenced, and this isn't a spoiler alert, because we've we've talked, I think, since, like, our first episode about the pilot, about, you know, house fire and... Lesbianism. The lesbian love triangle and Kelly is seventeen magazine. I mean, there are some really, yes, really great storylines that so, await us. So yeah, so just getting back to that for a second, uh, <laughs> the season, lesbian triangle. Se- yes, season five is also famously known as when Kelly just becomes legitimate. Kelly like her becomes her moment, three dimensional. Like, pers- also, another side point: Kelly is probably one of my least favorite characters mm-hmm. until this happens. Yes, and then she just like I think you. Yes, I think I remember you guys referencing this on your podcast. But yeah, I mean, until sh- shit just hits the fan, and then she just becomes like epically just yeah. epic. And yeah. I think that this is like where nine hundred two and zero is a victim of its own success because it spun off Melrose Place at the end of season two. Which, like, went full bonkers. I mean, I, I know that from not even seeing that much of Melrose Place. Just seeing the gifts. Yeah, just seeing the gifts of, like, snatched wigs and bombs <laughs> and, like, stuff. That by this point in 90210, they were just, like, fully nighttime soap. Yes. Up the drama. Up the cleavage. and I mean, thrilling. And, like, Ugh. how else could you kind of, you know, show it to your audience by taking this really sweet girl next door from Saved by the Bell. But that's the thing that's, I think, really important that we left out. I mean, I'm sure that listeners who are familiar with Tiffany Amber Thiessen and her oeuvre of work um, have made have made this transition mentally. But that's the thing. Kelly Kapowski, which was her biggest role prior to 90210, like that role is such the antithesis of what Valerie Malone represents. Mm. And... The fact that she could play, and I continue to hear again and again when we talk to people that worked on and around the show, how 
Tiffany Amber Thiessen is such a sweetheart makes it all the more impressive that she could so convincingly play a bitch and, and Val also like like you were saying about how like they kind of had to up the drama on this season Val has the most complex backstory of anybody <laughs> I like, <know>. like <laughs> yes like, like I'm still unraveling in like, one episode it's hard to follow it's I like could, somebody referenced oh I know I ran into so Ira Madison is a funny writer and he wants to come back for a Val episode yes. he works for Daily Beast uh, and and he was talking about Valerie's storylines, and he was like, "Yeah, I remember and like her dad and sexual abuse and suicide and this and that." I was like, "I don't." Which, like, I, yes, all of those things. I don't remember what I remember. The constant she in season five, she just got like a constant lot of daddy flashbags. Issues. Yeah, and then it's just like these black and white images of her walking down a yeah down, down a, a hallway, down a hallway, and then like TV the next thing you dad. know, yeah. she's like making out with her dad. And the next thing you know, he's like killing himself. It's fucked. But like now, like and now, I don't even remember. Like, <laughs> was truly. that even her? dad like do we know i know like was it gina's dad like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. like and then you know the fact that she's like so sweet up front but she's secretly like oh and that's she established episode one like so great when she calls jim and cindy avocado heads does she call ginger is that yeah she calls ginger oh ginger who is Alyssa donovan Mm -hmm. from clueless yes Mm -hmm. which amber when i was just on an airplane and the audio didn't work on my tv monitor i just watched clueless with the sound off and it was amazing you could do that yeah yeah. I mean, uh. I was like, I already know every word, so it's perfect. So Val. I mean, Val is everything everything to me. I also love like a shameless hoe a mm-hmm. little bit. I also dress like Val pretty much exclusively. Yeah. So we are going to have you on our show, and we're going to ask you these questions again. So as long That's as you fine. can resell it, you know, with the freshness. I can, because I love Val. Val I want, forever. I want your listeners to also hear the answer to this. Can I ask you... What we yes. ask all of our guests, which is, um, who were you crushing on at, at the time, at least of the original viewing, and this may have evolved, so feel free to amend it for current day, mm-hmm. but at the time of airing, who are you crushing on and who did you most relate to or identify with? Shock. I cr- Okay, I think this is also because I was younger. I crushed on David like hard okay like, no I, I I get that as yeah. a young no yeah I definitely crushed on David hard and my favorite was Donna as a kid I think I just liked I mean I think she's I was, so funny she's, she's funny, funny like she's likable she's a good friend yeah. <laughs> um yeah she's a good friend she's whatever sweet. I think it was probably the fashion yeah yeah she has um, a fashion plate yeah that and was, I think I think it was I, I think at the time I probably liked them all like I didn't really understand the nuances of mm-hmm. the fact that Kelly was the worst um I, and I think, yeah, totally. And, like, I think Kelly was just so aspirational. Yeah. And, like, beautiful and cool. I couldn't tap into that. I couldn't identify <laughs> with it, child. but it was very, like, I was in awe. Yeah. yeah. What about you guys? I mean, ever-evolving. Like, I don't even remember anymore. Uh, Lizzie's, but, Lizzie's a Steve. Well, uh, I'm a... I'm a Donna Brenda with a Steve rise. Yes, that's right. I, I think that's, uh, like, that's a really right. important... Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. think I... I think I'm really legitimately all three. yeah. Um, and she's very much. I think now that we're at season five, I can just fully. You can embrace Claire. Early on, she she is very Andrea, but like Andrea, if Andrea was crushing on Dylan, yeah, really. So like, and then equals Claire Arnold. Yeah, like I will t- like you know? think about like Daria crushing on Trent. You know, like kind of like uh, a little bit on the fringe of the group, like a little too uh, precocious for her own good, perhaps. But then when Claire shows up and she's got the same kind of like, you know, Jeopardy 
uh, try I always out. Say, Claire is, yep, yeah, she's on Jeopardy. But she's also she's got the got, handcuffs by the bed. Yeah, like the free handcuffs. <laughs> yeah. And that's really who you are. Yeah, and like Dylan and Brenda always like just spoke to me in a real spiritual way, mm-hmm. but again, kind of aspirational and erotic and less like mm-hmm. I am one of them or both of them. I mean, I find that it's really, I mean, given, given the fact that I'm so obsessed with the nineties and I'm constantly like living in the nineties, I mean, there are the these, best. there are these different questions. Like it, it is really yeah. like, who were you crushing on at the time? You were Rachel, but then you who were you? And like, who are you now? now? And so interestingly, um, you know, we've, we've referenced the inevitable, the elephant in the room, which is Brandon's uh, toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. But, while watching it as youth, that is not something that we no, like No, you just thought he was identified. a great guy. And if yeah. anything, while he wasn't my favorite character, we took for granted that he was the moral compass of the show. We yes. certainly wouldn't question And he was his the choices. protagonist. I mean, Absolutely. like, no matter what the storylines were, he was, like, the one that carried you through. I can't stand. I mean, honestly, like, makes me want to vomit. <laughs> yeah, so what is with your... Okay, so just for people who don't know, the uh, the Blaze has a real hate on for Brandon. Yeah, and let's say this. And, like, this is... Pr- like, we started hating him pre-Trump. <laughs> honestly. <laughs> but let's say this also. Like, I think one of the things that makes it tough is that Jason Priestley is so cute. And, like... Like, agree to disagree. <laughs> He was cute in person. No, he was so cute on the but show. I was, Come on. I was Brandon, never. Brandon was I was hot. never. I was always crushing on okay. Dylan. Okay, Brandon, on the show. I think is always crushing classically on hotter. Dylan, his dick's but hot. Brandon, <laughs> Brandon <laughs> is a handsome. Like he's appropriate. That's appropriate. Sort of like an apple cheeked, you know, cutie. Mm-hmm. And I think he represents that, like Minnesota. Here we Totes. are in Beverly Hills. Oh my goodness, what's happening? Oh hey. But now watching it as an adult, or even watching it post college, as I found out when I went through Facebook. It's like, how the fuck dare you He's tell me what I should feel about always anything? Always telling adults and women and adult women what they should be doing with their lives and how to think as a 16-year-old. I think there's a real like meme opportunity for you guys here. Yeah. yeah. Like to make Brandon like, I mean, thing again. Yeah. And also like at least, especially up until, up until maybe I want to say season six, Brandon has this way of dating women as a, so, as a form a, of social activism. Yeah, like social justice. But like for one episode solving. only. Totally. So for one episode, he'll date like a Mexican American girl, and he'll be like, "I can't believe I drove all the way to East Los Angeles to get empanadas." And I'm like, <laughs> "How the hell dare you, Brandon?" And then one episode, he'll date like a, a teen mom. One episode, he'll date like I don't know someone who fell out of an airplane or something. And uh, I think it carries. Uh, it skips Kelly, and it carries over to Susan. Yeah, and honestly, I don't mean to make this overly political, but here Susan we go. Susan is also the worst. No, yeah. Susan Keys, I can't. She's but, way better on Buffy. Um, you know, I have not seen Three Billboards. <laughs> However, I feel like I have because I know, like, very intimately Kat's, like, play-by-play opinion, and I know that I would agree. We're also psychically I've also, connected. like, taken that, like, aggressive stance with people, like, gotten in an argument with my father about it, and he's like, but you haven't seen the movie. And I was like, <laughs> but it's like I have. And I think that some That's of the like criticisms. like me and nocturnal animals. The criticisms that I, as I understand it, of movie movies like Three Billboards and Crash is that like, mm, like a certain type of white person is able to feel good and resolution at the end after like a tough journey. But it's like we were racist, but now. Mm-hmm. And there's really no resolution for the actual marginalized populations, namely the African-American characters who are like always tangential and whose fate we don't get to see play out. And I feel like that 
is the original Brandon Walsh story. Like he's going to fight for exactly <laughs> 45 minutes uh, for discrimination <laughs> against like Busting a Latino in. woman from the East Side. And yeah. whatever he says is going to be fucking genius. Yep. And she'll be like, he might write an editorial about it. That might be his platform for his student body campaign. And she'll be like, I never really never thought about it again. that way. Yeah. And, and to, we will all be apologizing by the episode's end. Oh, him. yeah, to yeah. him. And, so woke. <laughs> and, like, there are episodes where, like, three beautiful, sexy, strong, intelligent women will be, like, fighting over Brandon. And I'm like, literally, what has he done in this episode except, like, smirk? Well, it's like my freshman year of college, literally all, like, in this coveted student body campaign that is at uc california everybody wants brandon's endorsement he is a freshman with no extracurriculars <laughs> like who wants to be able to say like brandon walsh <laughs> well i i heard you that you organized the uh the revolt for donna martin oh, oh that's that's yeah. his like, frame of reference no, that's, he, yeah. that is. that's like his calling card now i will say like because she broke a rule that was explicit <laughs> yeah like, like how dare <laughs> like this school board so to any of your listeners who I may have been listening to this and may have been like, ah, gosh, I remember a little bit of 90210 or maybe they didn't watch the original. I would love to direct them to the season one episode, Ashes to Ashes. Season one or two? Uh, one. I, one. I, I still, it's the only one I listened to multiple times. <laughs> it's the one with um, Vivica A. Fox where... Also, um, Richard Roundtree Shaft. <laughs> yeah, Shaft is plays like her a, dad. Like, yeah, as a dad. Like, it's an amazing cast. It's this amazing episode where a black family moves in near the Walshes and Brandon like is kind of friends with Vivica A. Fox for an episode and it's like you will know everything you need to know about 90210's place in the socio-cultural landscape if by just watching that one episode. And like unfortunately like very timely impression like when we recorded a couple years ago and even now. Yeah. But like people ask Brandon to let it go. And that should have been his first clue. <laughs> but he was like, no, I will expose this truth at any cost to any person. <laughs> so yeah. that's like, you're bringing me to like kind of one of my favorite things about 90210. Just how like it its job at the time was to be the moral compass of teenagerhood. Mm-hmm. And how in your face and just it's like a hammer like there is not season one, one especially season one especially but also later seasons mm-hmm. like like jimmy at the aids hospital oh my well, god oh no, he's stop. like my favorite character <laughs> who also series. played blossom's older brother on blossom <laughs> like it, listeners if you're wondering if kelly taylor <laughs> thinks she catches aids from like holding Being hands in a room <laughs> with someone who had a paper cut <laughs> yeah with like that's one a of man kelly's dying of AIDS. Who knew best had episodes AIDS. ever it's yeah. like so it, it's so wild to watch these days and also when it first aired, but also it it's did the best. Backs, but I mean, but yeah, I mean, every, were- everything about 90210, every, every social issue is like a fucking hammer. It's like, yeah, exactly. There are not any African-American characters without it being the main issue about them. Like the first time they come on the scene, there's that, it's like that yeah. dance. Yeah. And it's like, it's the Squash. whole it's the whole thing anybody who has aids like has aids and has aids and has aids (laughs) okay but but here's your counterpoint that while it is heavy-handed i mean because imagine this is first of all like the first at least in the united states like the first teen-led primetime show that to be broadcast and we are in the early 90s and and because they were living episode to episode like they they had no sense of renewal. They did have very neat and tidy endings, usually at the end of that 52 minutes. 
for as heavy-handed as it was, it was kind of groundbreaking some of the issues they tackled, however untactfully. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like and a, like a my major plot point, point. Is, the, is the AIDS speaker in season one, and this is like pre, this is pre Magic Jansen coming out, and she's like an attractive white woman, which like that's true. W- while it is dramatic, it is an assembly. It is like. Steve trying to have eye sex with her and then there's like a slow clap. Like it has all of those tropes. There are so many slow claps. I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting that it wasn't like at the time, at least in the United States, it was still like the 4-H. It was was very othered as a disease to people that were homophiliacs or Haitian or homosexuals. Yeah. Um, And so like that is interesting. That's how I forgive sort of the like the hackneyed execution. At least I feel like it was an interesting subject matter. And for those of you with an interest in civil engineering, like a major <laughs> character in the first three seasons is gerrymandering, um, <laughs> which is like a full plot point about like one of the characters. Oh yeah, characters. redistricting and busing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. oh, there's an episode about the Holocaust. There's, oh my God. That's, <laughs> Rose. Yes. There's an episode about like angels in heaven and a, and a bus crash that it, that wasn't there's i mean by by episode seven we're it, perfect mom jackie's doing coke in the in the bathroom during the mother-daughter oh fashion i mean that's, well, that's, one, everything that's you obviously need to know. one of the highlights of that season <laughs> yeah. which like i will say having grown up in la that is an extremely relatable scene to me. <laughs> <laughs> wow anyways we so, can go on getting back to season five amazing <laughs> characters mm-hmm. it's also the entrance of ray pruitt <gasps> okay <laughs> <laughs> one tea all his mama could afford yeah my sister and I, we've talked about this, like my older sister and I, and we don't know why there were just certain lines that like became inside jokes and then have carried all of these years. And one of them is when Claire references having taken a drunk Luann Pruitt back. Uh, and, and I think Donna asks, like, did she make it home okay? And uh, Claire goes, passed out in her pantyhose. And like my sister and I use that <laughs> phrase all the time based on that scene. Like everything about... Ray Pruitt and the pump, pumpkin patch and flannel I, I and pickup trucks. The downstairs abuse. <laughs> yeah, all of it. One of Arm our guests. One of our guests actually uh, scouted. She's a she does like location scouting from TV shows. She scouted the exact staircase that Donna falls down, and she took a pose because picture in is front it of a that resort vacation? in Palm Springs. Is mm. in Palm Springs, and it's at a resort that has like 160 staircases. <laughs> yeah, she, she like finds the proprietor, and she's like, "I need to know the one." Oh my god, it's amazing. Oh my god, Ray Pruitt. So fast forward to 98, which yeah. is where my time capsule is from. Gosh, what were you guys doing in 98? So glad you asked. 1998 was a very important year for me. I had purchased the album Americana by The Offspring. I think that was one of the first CDs I bought for myself. And I just, I remember kind of starting to embrace a little bit of like, again, my sister who's older and who's kind of grunge and like, she was like way cool at the time. Just thinking like, ah, it's not, you know... Like, this is what it's going to be like to be a grown-up. It's like listening to music that's like a little bit angry, you know? Like, that was the start of that for me in 1998. Now, one thing I wanted to ask you, because this is where I was like transitioning into my I'm not a girl, not yet a woman years. Did I have my period? (laughs) Or you're just a girl. I, I remember, right, a little old me. I remember 
the man in the iron mask coming out and I broke up with Leo like I broke up with my crush on Leo no way I was like it's fine he's allowed I fully I had seen Titanic three times in theaters I like knew like I loved the soundtrack I was obsessed I had been obsessed with Romeo plus Juliet and when Man in the Iron Mask okay, like came out. Late, that you call it like correctly. <laughs> Romeo plus Julia. Yeah, like the seven end. Yeah. And I, <laughs> part of the Red Curtain trilogy. Um, and then when I saw the Man in the Iron Mask, like opening day, I was like, nope, it's that's it. I'm done. Really? I'm over Wow, him. that's kind of rude. I know. I mean. My little heart was fickle. I tore up all the pictures that had been on my wall and put them in the sink. What the fuck? You with can't water do a and, bad like, movie? No, he, he looked gross in it. Okay, whatever. Where? What were you doing in '98? Oh, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> um, I like blame my pretty strict all-girls school that I attended fourth through eighth grade, and I was in sixth grade in 1998 uh, for like my not being rich now because I actually, in retrospect, had a lot of entrepreneurial gumption that was squashed <laughs> at a young age, and in the sixth grade. I made a mixtape. I mean, it was basically like now, before now. I mean, I don't know when now came out, but I'm pretty sure I came up with the idea. I made a mixtape with... Probably like 1990. <laughs> yeah. Now but, that's what I call gumption. Uh, it, I had like, I print shopped like the labels. I printed them in color. It was a two-sided cassette tape and it was called Remembering the Sixth Grade. And <laughs> it was a look back, a retrospective, you will, of the songs that were so formative. Oh my God. To our time together. And the title, the titular track was um, Ricky Martin, No. Not La Vida Loca. It was Cup of Life because 1998 was a World Cup year. Yes. yes. Oh my God. Yes, it yes. was. Um, I think Mambo Number no. Five was on there. Pretty I believe. Um, it was. I mean, that would have been in my time capsule. Uh, I was selling them at cost. Honestly, just looking back to make, like, again, to the the cost of the tapes. I wasn't really trying to make bank. And my math teacher, Mei Wong, you know who you are. I'm calling you out by name. <laughs> Uh, asked me if I had the rights to to profit off of these artists' songs. Oh, fuck To which off. I said, yeah, like, uh, obviously not, bitch. <laughs> and so I was not allowed to uh, sell them on campus any longer. Or, yeah. I had on, no cam- on campus. Or anywhere. Like, this like, could what have, where would- it could have been Napster. No, I mean, yeah, basically. So that's what I was doing. I also, I was watching a lot of TV um i was watching the nagano olympics i'm a big olympic fan i have a big thing uh, dedicated to nagano in my uh, and like 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 happy anniversary tara lipinski because Mm. i'm already trying to picture how i'm going to part with does the commentary with her and johnny weir also air in canada they've been it does but i haven't really been watching it's just they're such a mainstay in my life in the past 10 days that I don't know what it'll be like without them. They're fabulous. So it was 10 years ago she got her gold medal. Or it was 20 years ago. 20 years ago. 20 years ago, 1998. But um, two other things. I I really, like, didn't think of in time, like, in years. It's, like, more in grades when you're that yes. young, right? Or everything is, like, pre and post Y2K, like, leading uh-huh, up to, uh-huh, uh-huh. yeah. But I don't know why. I just had in my heart that this happened in 98, and then I looked it up, and I was right. I had an older sister, so I had access to Seventeen and YM and all that good stuff. But there was something that felt like it was so for me when in 1998, Teen People debuted with Jennifer Love Hewitt on the cover. Oh, my God. I have all of those issues. It was different, right? I mean, it was was just – it was more gossipy. It was more – Yeah. Blind item celebrity. Yeah. Oh. R.A.P. And that was 98. Teen People was, yeah, one of the hallmarks, definitely. Yeah. So were you guys watching 90210 at the time? 
I wasn't. Yeah, and I, I, want, I wasn't a religious and weekly occurrence, but yes. I think it wasn't on my radar anymore at, in middle school, no. Yeah, I mean, I definitely remember, I feel like I watched some of the uh, season eight Hillary Swank episodes, mm-hmm. but again, it wasn't... It wasn't the must-see TV. That Hillary Swank, who was a teen mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm trying it, to remember in the show. what I was watching in 98, though. Uh, you were watching Dawson's Creek, because I was. I wasn't watching Dawson's Creek. I remember being, like, the only person who wasn't because watching Dawson's Creek. you thought Dawson's you were too Creek. cool? I'm sure that's what it was. Wow. But so, Dawson's Creek was very cool. Yeah, but uh, so actually, we, we, looked, we looked this up because... Um, Chuck Rosen, who we referred to, Charles mm-hmm. Rosen, went on and he was a showrunner, a producer on Dawson's Creek in its early seasons, along with um, Paul Steuben, who was the Fox executive that like led the charge on the network side um, in the original seasons of 90210. They wo- both went to Dawson's Creek. So some people make an argument that that's like a predecessor or a spiritual mm. uh, predecessor. Um, Although Dawson's Creek is in- insufferable. Yeah, impossible to watch. It, um, I just want to watch the whole thing year, without we, Dawson. We, mm-hmm. we, we, I've watched it now as an adult. I would watch it without Joey. We watched in or we listened, we read, I listened, I made you read out loud to me an Entertainment Weekly uh, article from the end of 98 that was saying, like, you know, it's the battle of Dawson's Creek versus 90210. And oh, no way. It seemed to argue that 90210 had maintained its premiere spot in the first year, mm. but that. Dawson's Creek was more interesting and quickly gaining and I I have to say like I look at the end result and where the stars of the respective shows are now and playing the long game I think Dawson's Creek probably wins true but at the same time 90210 was like a 10-year commitment and like such mm-hmm. a big deal like Dawson's Creek was only a big deal for like two right. years yeah right right so totally I don't know if that's a fair comparison but yeah I mean you're right and Sex and the City started that year. I'm Sex, not saying that was a, that was for a different group of people, but I mean Sex and the City. Like getting back to what we were saying about like the '90s versus like you was in the '90s versus the '90s now. Like Sex and the City is literally like the f- the fiber of my being. Yeah, uh, don't worry. <laughs> but in 1998, I would have never known what that was. That that is that is purposefully draped that my story, Sarah Jessica Parker, People Magazine. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's why I'm serving Cosmos. But I, you know what I realized was in '98. Is Bug Juice, which was like my first foray into reality TV. It was a Disney Channel reality series about summer camp. And like I Googled it only to find out that they're doing a reboot in 2018. So get excited, everybody. And they're going back to the <laughs> What's same camp. Bug Juice? It literally, it's just bug a reality juice. show. I know. Bug Juice. I think that that's like fruit punch. I think it's, like it's trail fruit mix. Punch. Yeah. Like of the liquid variety. Just what you call it at summer camp, I guess. Wow. Yeah. Gatorade. But it. It literally, I I now realize that that was the first like reality TV I ever watched, non scripted. Okay, I looked up 1998 TV shows because I was like, there can't have been a gap for me in TV. Like, what was I doing? Reading a book? Maybe. What I was watching in 1998 was that 70s show. Oh yeah, good one. Uh, and uh, that's it, I guess. Sex, like Sexual Predator Alley. <laughs> Mostly, no, yeah. and by that I mean Danny Masters and no, seriously like I, I'm looking I remember watching like Veronica's Closet with Kirstie Alley like yeah I don't know what the fuck again I was watching stuff with my sister so it was a lot of like 
the Simpsons and like Xena and stuff. So Simpsons, definitely. The last thing I'll say music-wise is that my sister and I just this weekend were driving and listening to 90s on 9. Oh. And Sean Colvin came on. Sunny came home. Sunny and came I was home. like, didn't we see her in concert? And But I had forgotten what she had said, and so I texted her right before this, and she was like, yes, we saw her in concert at the Greek Theater in Berkeley, and Duncan Sheik was the opening act. Who, wow. I don't even remember what his song was. I don't remember what his song was either, but like, I know that I name. I don't remember his, but like brown sort of bowl cut, almost like, yeah, 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 yeah. look like Oasis and Beatles. For some reason, that Dishwalla song? song comes into it's my head, but it's not, that's um, counting blue cars, but that's not. Does anyone have a <laughs> I mean, all all of this vibe is very Dawson's Creek. Like this, it's very Dawson's Creek. Yeah, yeah. And my sister was definitely like had left nine or two one zero and was like very full Lilith Fair. My so called life, barely breathing. Oh, because I'm barely breathing. Yeah, I yeah. don't even remember like I can't who he is. All you. I just remember is the name Duncan. Yeah, she. <laughs> like and imagine like seeing like him and John Colvin in Berkeley. It was just like That's... like everybody was in Birkenstocks. Yeah, no, it was like so good. Yeah, 98. So what would be in your 98 time capsule? Well, Offspring Americana. Mm-hmm. Um, cats, Princess Diana, Bear. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Would be in my time capsule. But, like, it's way too valuable. So, like, let's keep it in my time capsule. Um, yes. So I was a big beanie baby collector. I know that's a little bit at odds with, like, a wannabe tough gal. But you know what? That was my soft spot. Well, everybody's multifaceted. That's right. Um, Contain multitudes. I'm guessing, I didn't look this up, but I'm guessing one of these two accessory trends were in 98, either bra strap headbands or zigzag. <gasps> both. Okay, great. Oh, the, my the, God. Like, that's it. Like Both that, Donna Martin. Yeah. That's, apropos. Okay, like, that's, and maybe some butterfly clips. I also, like, Tamagotchis would definitely be in my, like, yes. is in my, like, time capsule that is my apartment. Yeah. <laughs> um, I want, I, like, Tamagotchis were so big. Like, um, Sanrio stuff was really big at my school, I think. Well, but evergreen secret centers. Secret centers were my literal dream. Wait, is that like the diary that had it was, a voice password? No, block? it was like I think it was it was Sanrio. I think it was um, no, it was like a like a predecessor to like a BlackBerry or like a smartphone. Oh. Like you would like text your friends' messages. Oh my god! And they could like get them. Oh, I remember the every, for that. I remember every year for Hanukkah. It was just like, am I gonna get this? And no, every year happened. me circling the um like even when I was fifteen, like the car and FAO shorts, you know, that are like. For kids like the convertible that's always like a thousand dollars the battery operated <laughs> never got it yeah never got it never I, yeah I, I also used to always want dream phone and i could never get uh, it but um in 96 i got my n64 which i still have oh wow and i do remember in 98 uh around Nag- like nagano i think there was the 1080 snowboarding release which is one of my favorite games so that would be in my time capsule um as lizzie just pointed to the N64 I just was reminded that 90210 season it's, it's what playing is playing nine in the back season nine it's probably why I don't recognize it Steve's got a bleach blonde Caesar cut inspired by George Clooney on ER and so does David and David not just looks hot yeah, I David looks hot uh I I think in 1998 Oh, so oh, Dr. Pepper lip smackers. Mm, I still, one. I still, that's like my yeah, preferred yeah, chapstick. Like in your birthday <laughs> party favors last year. I was just about to bring up party favors yeah. because in 1998, my what, what my mom and I would do is go to um, Little Tokyo and we would go to the like district where you could just like buy bulk off brand, whatever, everything um, like near Santee Alley. And I would get the bra strap headbands, right, but it. like a, pa- you know, like a pack of two dozen 
little like eyelid stickers that had like you know purple glitter or whatever it was all glitter I think was the like a glitter body spray I think I would put oh glitter roll, glitter was roll certainly on scented mm-hmm. absolutely roll on scented glitter yeah yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah 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 what was that one like perfume or something where it was like the little roll-ons and there were like different moods bottled emotions they're in my time capsule bottled emotions yeah and one of my, oh my followers God. on Instagram just messaged me what? that she still has hers. What a great name. Bottled emotions. Like flirty, vibey, yeah. like chill, yeah, yeah, meditative. Yeah. Uh, much earlier in the 90s was the original hard candy with the rings yeah. that were on the nail polish mm. balls, right? Is that? I'm that, that no, is like no, no, early, no, that is 90s. That is, but that's, that's early. But that's early. Like, no, no, no. no okay, that's 94, like mid-90s. 90s. Oh, mid, okay. Yeah. To me, I, to me, I remember that actually being late, but it probably was like mid when it launched. I definitely had at least 200 Beanie Babies, and I uh, li- recently showed Lizzie my uh, personal Christmas card, my own, that was made at Costco, with a picture of me posing in front of all 200 of my Beanie Babies hanging in their <laughs> and you're closet like, door hanger. are my friends, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, hi. <laughs> like, I was like right in the like ill-fitting glasses and braces bad news oh yeah my watermelon retainer would probably be in my <sighs> also if it hadn't been thrown out on my cafeteria tray also I was younger than my classmates and so they had like hit puberty and I definitely hadn't so 1998 was a time for me when I like my mom would make me wear a t-shirt under the spaghetti strap top and I got to go to like my first boy girl party and I took the t-shirt off in the bathroom so I could wear just the just the tank top sex. Oh my god! I wonder yeah. if you'll know what this means. A BP tank top. Yes. You know what that? Brass plum. Brass plum is at Nordstrom. You know, you guys have Nordstrom, right? Because that's like we a very only Washington. just got Nordstrom like last year. So. That's interesting to me because <laughs> it's so Washington State that I feel like it would just float upwards and northwards. So the brass plum is the like the teen section, and they had. I'm sure there was an equivalent, and I mean, Canadian. there's a whole like it was. It was a. It was like the first spaghetti strap tank top, but they had. Any color imaginable. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. It was sort of like a ribbon. It was more of like a ribbon. Yeah, 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 for yeah, sure. That. I had like many of those. That, no, that was a staple from totally. 95 to But like it was also like a little scandalous that it was yeah. spaghetti strap. Oh, oh, absolutely. Big time. It was a scandal. And I, I remember what I wrote in my diary in the voice-activated secrets diary yeah, yeah, yeah. when I went to that boy-girl party where I was like the clear child among tweens. <laughs> and I remember writing... I can't believe that Angela shared a lollipop with a boy, but guess what? I got to dance with Brian Kotick. He's gay now. <laughs> I was like, this sounds like a Brian Austin with David Silver. <laughs> it was like literally like dancing like in the living room at a party with a like with parents. I mean, I watching. will say I will say that 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 period is very pivotal because I have a diary that's from my time capsule mm-hmm. and the beginning of the diary is very like teeny bopper it's very like I went to the Hanson concert I love him so much they're the best and then yeah. halfway through it's like he's so fucking hot I want to fuck him yes the no, hormones yeah. just switch on yeah it's nuts I, every like literally everything is like <laughs> my grandmother had surgery like she'll be fine but Sharon is so fucking hot like <laughs> Um, she, by the, but just so you know that like my sister would tease me and like the family consensus I look like the youngest brother in Hanson just to set the oh. scene for oh, me oh wait that's a compliment I, I mean we, maybe I, oh, wait, had a, I had a lot of Taylor. people that I called that okay so that it was, was an me. insult at the okay. time yeah, yeah, it, yeah but now that. he's very very good looking <laughs> I mean I didn't see As Hanson I. <laughs> I didn't see Hanson in concert until Wango Tango 2000 <laughs> at which point they were like a little passe I was uh, I, oh my god they were my like everything um, but 
bringing it back to 90210, speaking of time capsules and speaking of Scott Scanlon, mm. let's just remember the time, the great time capsule of season. I mean, really, I think that like 90210 probably invented nine, time, time capsule. capsule. <laughs> Andrea did. Of uh, course, Andrea did. Yeah. And this, this is a really, honestly, it is a seminal episode. And like, well. I don't know why if you and I didn't feel comfortable like posting about it on social media a couple hours ago. I think it's like now not too soon to say <laughs> on a podcast, but here we are. Um, it, it, it deals with gun violence. And honestly, like I think it was shortly thereafter where we did manage to have a bipartisan ban on assault weapons in 94 in the United States that was short lived. And like we, we were like, we can't make a meme out of this. Like, you know, like, but it is crazy how prescient or how much things change and mm-hmm. stay the same and it was a controversial episode at the time because basically his parents were gun enthusiasts but it wasn't like stored properly and he was showing off and scott accidentally shot himself at his 16th birthday and in the most epic again he was way. an opening credits actor and nobody foresaw that he was going to be killed off just like on a random season two episode it wasn't even i think there was like the one the tv guide ad that was like one of them will die and it was just like and you're like not like, please andrea <laughs> no like everyone thought it would be andrea <laughs> it, it, it's, it was i mean it's 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 really haunting it's heavy-handed and it's all these things but it's a haunting and, episode and like it's it this is before columbine not that that was the first school shooting in america but like first big one the first i mean it was a, i think a pivotal one in in the landscape of like cable news and like a 24-hour news cycle like the one the i hate mondays girl like which happened in the 80s that i think isn't as well remembered because of the media like Mm -hmm. all access media so to have like a prime time soap on one of the like four networks like showing david's face when he witnesses his best friend shoot himself in the stomach which is like one of the most harrowing things that a show can do but they pair it with um, this concept of a time capsule. And we have like all of the rest of the characters kind of remembering, you know, like planting this in their memory. And like the episode is so intense. And then at the end. Well, and also I think that I, if I remember correctly, because the episode is called 50 Years Ago Today. And they begin with an unveiling. Which will be in like a year. Yeah. This, no, yeah. <laughs> the school begins with an assembly and they I think they're unveiling like a 1950s time capsule uh and then it wraps up neatly by the end of the episode they decide to do a time capsule that honors Scott um but whether or not intended for comic relief uh it delivers a moment of levity because with the exception of Scott's you know 18 gallon or whatever gallon uh cowboy hat Literally all of the characters managed to make it about them and what they (laughs) put into this time capsule. And also, like, not all of it is particularly timely. It's just self-referential. Of wall. Right. Like, Brenda puts in a Minnesota Twins jersey. (laughs) (laughs) There's nothing about anything. Now, we don't ever see Kelly put anything in. I maintain that she puts in a Warhol Warhol painting of herself. Oh, my God. I forgot (laughs) about that. She put in Jackie's bump too where do you where do you yeah just she just (laughs) 
<laughs> Where do you think that painting is today? Like in the Smithsonian? No, we know that David like eagerly claimed it when they were moving out. When they were moving to college, he's like, are you going to get rid of that? <laughs> so like we think it's definitely like underneath his bed and he just like spanks it every night. That, like, oh sure my God. Remember the whole plot line of like him wanting shower. to do Kelly? Yes. It's like uh, a multi-season plot Okay, line. but as to where the actual painting is, I would love to know, but I think we want to track down um, either Barb or Rude Rose. I can't remember her name, but like Rude Rose. the set decorator, yeah. who I think we could probably uh, Back to get. the time capsule. <laughs> Steve puts in a Corvette keychain. Uh, yes, of course. Um the fashion play Donna puts in Lycra as a commentary on the, you know, the mixed materials. The advancements right. of stretch. And Andrea puts in her own newspaper, but also the same article on floppy disk. Well, Andrea can nice just drop. Yeah. Just suck a big one. <laughs> she wishes. Like, that's all she wants. Yeah, you're day. right. It wasn't like on floppy. It was like on beta. Like, you know, it, was <laughs> it was like the MP4. big four. The big floppy. Yeah. Like, yeah, Andrea would definitely do an article on beta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that is Andrea. Like, it is the superior format to read The Blaze. <laughs> um, so, yeah, time capsules, they were a thing then. They're a thing now. Precious. Amazing. I mean. Amazing. I hope that that's true. So every every episode, I like to end with a certain letter that I or a, a list that I had done for myself. Oh my god! Um, in the nineties, you were the original BuzzFeed. I was. <laughs> I I literally no, was like, like waiting for that apology, BuzzFeed. Yeah, yeah. to Randy. Yeah, um, love to, the try guys. Yeah, like but like also like CC Andrea because I'm sure she like did something too. <laughs> By the way, the reason why I'm so intent on calling her Andrea is because my sister's name is Andrea, <laughs> and she used to fucking flip if anybody oh. called her Andrea she'd be like it's not that one should I name my kid Ian but then get indignant <laughs> like when people Just, call him yes, Ian yeah. Yeah. middle name Zeering. love it yeah okay. um yeah so the, I did write myself a list of favorites in 1998 and there were things on there that had nothing to do with 1998 much like the time capsule which basically was like zucchini casserole the word piece the sign <laughs> star um so I wrote a, a, some 90210 oh my god Editions. Oh my, God, oh my, God. my favorite expression, and I know that you guys really like this, is squeef. Yes, oh, yeah. which is invented by this is the original douche, Steve Sanders. Yeah, they're always telling each other, "Don't be a squeef." <laughs> the biggest teachable disease would be AIDS. AIDS. Mm-hmm. AIDS. The biggest. My favorite. We death. then take it a, a pre-step to HIV by seasons eight and nine, but it's we start out the gate with just. Full-blown AIDS, yes. season one. <laughs> my favorite death, of course, is Scott Scanlon. It's oh, the best. My favorite designer boutique is now where that's, of course. Uh-huh. <laughs> what else is... Oh, it's not Maxwell's? Right, Celeste Maxwell's where... No. Okay. <laughs> no, Celeste was... No, mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. for the garbage. Uh, and my favorite Kelly plot line uh, is no, a mean. tie between, of course, Coke and the Patrick Finley cult. Yes! Okay, Patrick oh, Finley are so good. cult. Like... New evolution. New evolution. It's like, like that's where like Ron L. Hubbard got all of his ideas. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I believe the timeline tracks. So and if you could bring one of, one of, what, what is, what are one of your, well, put it this way. What are your favorite moments from 90210? I mean, Sophie's choice. You know, the interesting thing is that your list is really... I don't know if the word is like ephemeral. Like there's these little like iconic things. Like instead of saying like, oh, here's a whole episode or a whole character. Yeah, I want Dylan's vintage Porsche. The first thing that came to my mind was his Baja sweater. I was about to say, I want a Baja blanket sweater. I want like. I want a craft. I I mean, basically I want to be 
like Dylan in me. I want to live in Dylan's house. <laughs> but I, I want like the sweater that he wears when he's crying on the, on the couch at the beach house looking at his lighter. I want to like take that sweater and, and wrap up in it and just like mm, just get in there with it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I think. Lavoine? No, pass. <laughs> Hard pass. Keep it. Um, yeah, I mean, anything with Dawn and Daisies? Absolutely. I want um, Professor Lucinda's mask collection. I want her. <laughs> I, I want her audacity. I want her oh liberal. That's really central Inuit to her character. Sexual <laughs> identity. Yeah. Um, to hunger. <laughs> I want. Token. I want. Um, ooh, ooh, ooh! I want Shadowcaster, the horse. When Dylan fucks that the old lady, on rides. I want. Uh, <laughs> I want Iris McKay's crystal collection. Oh, of course. I think many no. people. Iris McKay is kind of an icon no, for 2018. Totally. I want totally. Emily Valentine's little hat. Mm. I really am a big fan of Emily Valentine's look, like the second time around. Yeah, yeah. yeah totally. With the darker the, hair yeah, and the beret yeah, yeah. and, and like the, she's and serious. That, she Jacques still has Cousteau very nineties. We've had Christina Lee on twice, and the second time when she came for her San Francisco episode, she had she's kept the coat. She wore the long black duster and she wore the hat, which I think uh, was Donna Karam. Yeah, it was amazing. Emily Valentine, San Francisco is very pretty woman. Yes, yeah, <laughs> yes. I want I want my birthday party at the Peach Pit after dark with uh, Donna, Do, not um, Donna Lewis playing. She remember she was like, I love you always forever. It was like, that's when oh, they started yes. to have like hip pop acts that yeah. they would feature with that big moon yes. okay, but, in the background. But I have a question. Sorry, this is a side question. Um, do you have any access to the music? This is so a long, it's a long, complicated well, some, answer. It's a long, complicated Some of the DVDs contain the original music. It has been scrubbed from the streaming. And so I have the DVDs, but they don't have any music. Some, some. episodes do, and most don't. So, yeah. Um, so what, what, Very rare. what we do do on our podcast is we will note what the original mm. music was, and then we have a Spotify playlist each season that Amazing. will allow you to access those, those tracks. Because some people refuse to watch. I mean, it was so important i've like, missed that context completely and, yeah. i mean like yeah the rem losing my religion mm. with uh, how can you how you, you see brendan, her it's an alternate re- universe when brendan dylan didn't break up if that song's not playing you see her with the like black and yellow striped cd like putting it in the player and i'm like that is the fucking rem cd right and when and and in the scott scan aforementioned seminal scott scanlon death episode knock knock um, knocking on heaven's door right monologue by david in the dj booth Brandon's outside and goes, huh, timely. To, a song. <laughs> to like some like, Muzak sound alike. That's yeah, like derp, it was really derp, Guns and GNR version of Knocking on Heaven. Oh, that's Star. so sad. Yeah. Every episode, uh, and also almost every single episode of 90210 seasons have the same Muzak. Yeah. Right. Like it's like for an entire yeah, yeah, season, yeah. the exact same right. thing. And the only thing that should be repeating is the guitar riff for Dylan. Otherwise, yes, totally. Yeah. So my the way that I finally fi- the final you know put the the dot mm-hmm. my eyes and cross my t's and 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 put that final crossbar in the Stussy S yes exactly the way that I end all of my episodes is I make my guests um, try to make fetch happen and I think <laughs> that you say my expression that I made up made up when I was in grade oh six God, love it. which is uh, get out of my facial act get no. out of my facial act mm-hmm. okay love yeah. it I'm into it 
to say it. Get out of my facial act. Thanks. And like, how would Steve say it? It's like the keep it. Oh, get out of my facial act. No, that was perfect. That's absolutely Steve. I mean, rising. How would Brenda say it? Get out of my facial act. Yeah, it's like no contractions. (laughs) Okay, well, we should just go through everybody now. Yeah. How would Uh, Cindy say it? Brenda, get out of my facial act. (laughs) Mrs. Teasley? (laughs) Get out of my facial act, Steve. Donna? (laughs) I can't. I'm dyslexic. (laughs) Too soon. Storyline. Okay. Uh, Ray Pruitt? Get out of my facial. And then in the end, like, it wasn't my fault. <laughs> she pushed herself. I think Dylan would say, Get out of my facial act, muchacho. <laughs> or, you know, like the timeless words of Lord Byron. <laughs> Get out of my facial act, man. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it would like end with like a. Yeah. <laughs> who were we missing? Oh, David. Get out of my facial <laughs> act. <laughs> Precious. <laughs> <laughs> These are all licensed. <laughs> uh, who, oh, Val. Val. I don't Where's that? <laughs> Val would be like. <laughs> Oh, how would Val do it? She'd be like, you know, these fucking Beverly kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like all this get out of my facial act. (laughs) Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Dad. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) No, like trigger. Sorry. Trigger. Oh, my God. (laughs) I think we've got all the mains. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you didn't do Brandon, but like we. Oh, of course. Sorry. How could we demonstrate a finger wagging over a microphone? So, well, let's let's try. Let's (laughs) get the old. You know, (laughs) It would definitely start with like a, mm. <laughs> or a like, no, like walking out the door and turning around, wagging a finger. And let me tell you how it is. That's real. You can get out of my <laughs> facial act, drop the set of keys. That's real nice, dad's boss. Yeah. But have you ever considered getting out of my facial act? Oh my God. You guys are fabulous. <laughs> Too close to the material. <laughs> I want you to do, can you sign off by doing that? Nat! 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 Hey, uh, get out of my facial act. Ew! Ew, it's just as creepy as Joey Tata. <laughs> oh my god. Well, guys, it's been a slice. Oh my god. Thank you so much no. for being on this. This you. is exceedingly fetch. And also, hold on, let's remind everybody how to get the blaze. Yes. Oh, thank you. So, season five is coming soon, y'all. So, if you uh, use I. Uh, if you use Stitcher. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, whatever, just subscribe to The Blaze with Lizzie and Kat, and you'll see when the first episode drops, and we're on you social. You can unsubscribe later, but because we're keeping the release date a <laughs> yeah. secret, mm-hmm. we recommend subscribing so that you're made aware of the new content. Yeah, it's like it's like you want to have that Columbia Disc you know, subscription yeah. as mm-hmm. soon as possible. Um, and of course, we're on social media at 90210blaze on and, Twitter and, and Instagram, in meantime, Facebook. To time you over... To tie you over speed of time capsules, I would listen to the episode with Pete Holmes, the comedian who I think is just entering season two of Crashing on HBO. He tackled, like only he could, the Scott Scanlon death time capsule episode with oh. us. So it's a good re-listen. Definitely. Amazing. Thanks, Randy. Thank you. 
Oh, well, you can find me on, on Apple, where everybody's listening right now, uh, or Stitcher, or SoundCloud, and on Instagram, at Capsule 98. Hey, girl. We can't wait to have you on in season five. Yes. Stay tuned. See. For my, <laughs> I'm just going to relive my bloody soulmate vow. Yes. All right. Bye. Okay. Get on my facial act. <laughs> <laughs>